0: are you interested in free theological training our flagship sponsor midwestern seminary offers free theological training through their for the church institute this semester they launched three new classes new testament one and new testament two with dr patrick schreiner and missional leadership with dr charles smith both have been guests of the show These classes, along with others, they offer the story of everything with Jared Wilson, the Trinity with Dr. Matthew Barrett, and more are all free and accessible to you, your community group, or your church to complete at your own pace. You can learn more and sign up to begin at mbts.edu slash knowingfaith. Again, that's mbts.edu slash knowingfaith for some free theological training from Midwestern Seminary. Go check it out. You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Whirly, and I'm joined by my co host Jen Wilkin and JT English. What's up, y'all?
1: Hey, Kyle. Hey, What's up, Jen. Kyle and Jen.
0: Hey, JT. How's everybody doing?
1: Well, I, I just took a nap, so I'm feeling pretty pretty spunky. Mm.
0: JT, can you nap? I was telling Jane, I can't nap. Yeah. I can't nap at all. I can absolutely nap. I nap. I can nap easily. It's not a problem
2: for me. I wish I could nap more. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could nap more. I don't get a lot of a lot of chances these days, but I love I like I love a good nap. My favorite time to nap is Sunday afternoons. I feel kind of bad about it because I get back from church and I want to be with my family and kids, but the Holy <laughs> Spirit leaves me for a couple hours after preaching three sermons, and I just crash for about about sixty minutes or so. Watch some, especially in the fall when there's football on, like afternoon football. The Broncos are terrible. I'll just put the Broncos on, gone for sixty minutes, and it's
0: it's amazing. I feel like I get like four hours of rest in sixty minutes. Wow.
1: It's a spiritual gift, Kyle, but I guess it just wasn't given to you it in any case. It clearly
0: measure. is. I need a second baptism or something. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <but laughs> do, you wish, do you wish you could nap or oh, are you like, abs- I don't want to nap? Absolutely. <laughs> second nap. Yeah, oh, there we go. Um, I think that <laughs> napping, I think I'm a pretty high capacity guy. I think that if I could nap, I think. The power, maybe it's too, no one man should have so much power. Too big. Too big. <laughs> too big. <laughs> like, I, I just know that if I could nap, I would abuse it significantly because I would be up at 1.30 a.m. being like, just like totally locked into building a podcast or writing something or reading another book.
1: That's true. We don't need you to have more energy. So you should probably just stay saying That's right. The the
2: reason I asked the question that way is Macy does not like napping like she can. And she like will. Like she says, if she falls asleep, she can't like come out of the the fog or the haze that she kind of wakes up with. So she'll like, even if she's tired, she's like, I can't I can't lay down.
0: Maybe that's maybe that's an Enneagram three thing because she's a three, right? Could be. Yeah. Yep.
1: No, man, I'm an eight. I should be a vampire, and I, I you got you got to train for it. You got to. It's like anything else. It's, it's it's a. I mean, it is a spiritual gift, but it's also a bit of a skill. And so you just have to. Yeah, train I, just, for yeah, it. I haven't just, trained it. People in. are too lazy to train <laughs> for the napping. <laughs> I guess so.
2: Give so, to it's, it to it. That's fine. I guess so.
0: Well, yeah. um, this are you ready I'm,
2: for the transition? Here it comes.
0: Here it goes. Yeah, yeah you could see it coming. <laughs> um, uh, I titled this Q and and A episode. I always love the Q and A episode titles. It's one of the only titles that I can be creative with now because so much feedback from the listeners telling us to not name episodes, weird things (laughs) where you could not discern the topic. So we've made it very clear now for a few seasons, but with the Q&A episode, this one's called cap or no cap. So Jen, do you know what cap means? You see, I thought you were going to say nap or no nap. Oh, damn. That's what I thought you were going to no, do. No,
1: y- you, uh, you missed it. That's what I thought the transition right was going to be, you. nap or no nap. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, he's just, he's got to like head straight into trying to troll uh-huh. me on the yep. Q&A uh-huh. episode. But the fans have yeah, spoken. Yeah, they have.
0: They have. They don't want the trolling. Fans Do, have spoken. do you know what cap means?
1: Yeah, I okay. do. I'm, I'm down with the kids
0: lingo. Okay, I know. So, so cap means what? If I said that's cap, what am I saying?
1: That means you are not speaking the truth to me right now. <laughs> Golly,
0: I, I forgot I was mm-hmm. interviewing Webster over mm-hmm. here. The definition mm-hmm. of cap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you are not. That means you are not speaking the truth to me right now. That's that is exactly how the kids define cap.
1: No, it, that's cap is the opposite of all facts, no printer. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, are you recording a hip hop album now? <laughs> Bruh, <laughs> That would be amazing. Um okay, so JT, did you know what cap meant before when you saw it in here in the re-
2: You know, I I knew that both of them had something to do with either lying or telling the truth and I had about a 75% hunch I knew which one was which. Okay. And I was wrong. Jen Jen mm. just corrected me. I was like, cuz cap feels like that should be the truth. Like it's capped. Mm. No cap is like no no mm. truth.
1: Okay. But I Are we going to talk about are we going to talk about sus now? Okay.
0: <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, What is I don't know that I know what sus means.
1: That means suspicious. Yeah, I I know that. Likely not true. Okay, all
0: right. Yeah, I think maybe I knew that. Okay. Do you if you if maybe I knew that if Thomas came up to you and you said Thomas that's Cap, your son Thomas would not know. You should teach him that because Thomas would be great at invoking Cap and no Cap. He's a little. Yeah,
2: he would. He's a Mm -hmm. great lie detector. He's a little. He's a little, he is, he's a little working. Mm-hmm. We have a handshake right now where, uh, he just comes in and get, we have like each other a high five and then a pat on the back and say, Hey, did you get a workout in today, bro? <laughs> That's what he says to me.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. A little third grader. Hey, did you get your workout in today, bro? That's really good. <laughs> Uh, tra- train, train yeah. up a child in the way they should go. Right. That's what the scriptures yeah, say. Well, uh, today's Q and a episode is uh, cap or no cap, uh, truth or lie, truth or falsehood. Uh, we're going to jump into some questions here. Like we always do. I was just telling Jen and JT before we started the recording. So They can back me up. Um, One of the little kind of data points I look for in terms of how is a Knowing Faith season going is with the quality of questions we get for the Q&A episode. And I was telling them right before we jumped on, the quality of questions we got this season of Knowing Faith were superlative, Um, just exceptional questions. I was so impressed with so many of these questions. um, And there were so many of them. And we thank you for that so many of them, we're not going to be able to address all of them. And so you'll notice that there are some times like you've probably submitted a question and we haven't addressed it. That's not personal. Sometimes we have to just be a little bit conversant with one, what we've been studying two what we kind of know is happening in the larger kind of publishing Christian space. And then Three, we we do uh, and we have historically tried to trend away from dealing with things that feel like they are just so culturally hot online that there's already so much smoke involved in the conversation that we just don't want to contribute any more to the noise and we want to allow those issues to be addressed faithfully among local church faith communities. We are not a replacement for your local church. We are happy to be a meaningful resource, but we, we don't want... Um, to treat our Q&A episodes or our seasons or our episodes as like, hey, listen, here here we are coming down from the mountain like Moses to speak the words of God to you. We just want to be able to open up the Bible, explore it together. And for the Q&A episodes, we want to provide some helpful insight, have some fun. That's what we're trying to do. But I want to thank you. These were great questions. If we didn't get to your question, it doesn't mean it's not a good question. It just means there was a lot. We had to filter them out. So thank you for submitting some great questions. Let's start here at the top. And JT, I'm going to send this one to you. And I have a feeling you're going to volley it right back to me. Uh, Do you, (laughs) um, JT, do you consider Catholicism a denomination of Christianity? Or is it a whole different religion?
2: Oh, man. I feel like there's a couple ways you could think about this. I mean, in some sense, Catholicism, and I want to say this in a... uh, we need to define what Catholicism means in order to answer this question. Catholicism isn't just what we're experiencing today, or what your Catholic Church was. Catholicism, or at least lowercase C, is the Church. It's it, it isn't even a denomination of. It is a deno- It is it is the Christian faith handed down to the saints. That Catholicism really refers to in its historical sense the universal Church. Now, the person who's asking this question is probably referring to 21st century Western some form of Western Catholicism, perhaps. And those two terms, <clears> though <throat> they share a lot in common, aren't maybe necessarily one to one correlation. But I do think it's important for those of us, uh, I know the three of us on this podcast and most of our listeners would probably broadly define themselves as Protestant or Reformed in, in some capacity, whether that's Methodist or Presbyterian or Baptist or kind of free church evangelical. And that means that we first and most importantly consider ourselves part of the Catholic Church, lowercase C Catholic mm-hmm. Church. That we we are not schismatics is what the reformers said. They did not understand themselves to be starting a second denomination or a second church. They understood themselves to be reforming the one true holy and Catholic church, as said in the Apostles Creed. And so I think what's probably really getting at this question is it maybe the question behind the question is, mm-hmm. is how do I talk to my Catholic friends or my Catholic in-laws? Are they Christians or are they not? And, and the truth is, is we don't know. I mean, th- it really mm-hmm. depends on what they believe. It doesn't matter what church they go to. The same thing is true for your evangelical Baptist That's friends right. or your evangelical <laughs> Reformed friends. You know, it, 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 None of us are saved by being a part of a specific denomination or branch of Christianity. We're saved by grace through faith based upon the work of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago and applied to us by the Holy Spirit. And so we don't just get to affiliate with the church and therefore say, I am saved uh hopefully we're a part of a church so do i maybe another way to phrase it is are there catholics who are faithful christians Absolutely, I I definitely think there are Catholics who understand the faith once delivered to the saints. We would have some significant disagree. I would have some significant disagreements with them, the same way I had disagreements with other Lutherans or Calvinists or Presbyterians or Methodists or Baptists. And so, it really is important to say what do you believe about these specific doctrines, whether handed down to us in Scripture, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, or Chalcedon. And so, to get back to the way the question is is phrased, is do I consider Catholicism a denomination of Christianity or a whole different? religion, I would trend towards the a denomination of, but I'm not even sure I love that language. In In the question, the the Catholicism is capital C, or and maybe if it was a lowercase C, I would say lowercase C Catholicism
0: is Christianity. Yeah, there we go. You, you heard would it? you say it that way, Kyle? Yes, absolutely. I was Jen? Hoping-
1: that was a really good answer, JT. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I it was a really good answer. I think the only thing I was thinking of as you were saying it, and Kyle, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off if you have a thought sure. to add. I think it's good to be aware that sometimes, and this can happen across um, denominations, you know, it's not just between Catholicism and Protestantism. We can use the same words in different yeah, ways. And right. so it's really important from a practical standpoint when you start to have conversations with someone with whom you think you differ to define terms yeah. yes. very um, simply and clearly, or to ask questions until you can kind of get a sense of how someone is using a word. And then, you know, I, I think JT's answer showed this a lot, but like to come from a place of charitability. Um because that's how dialogue continues, and dialogue is the path toward finding what you share, so that you can, you know, maybe get to a better sense of where you. That's differ. right. I mean, mm-hmm. I,
0: I would ask a Catholic friend, family member, neighbor, coworker, whatever, if you were having some questions or just you you had the space to have some discussion about their faith and your faith. I'd ask questions like, "Who do you believe God is?
1: Mm-hmm. What do mm-hmm. really? What do sense. you
0: believe about Jesus? What do you believe mm-hmm. about the Bible?" Like these would be, mm-hmm. do uh, what do you believe about man and humanity?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, what do, do you, do we, do we need forgiveness of sins? Like those kinds mm-hmm. of questions. If the question is like, like, Catholicism affirms what I would believe is the rule of faith, the essentials of the Christian faith, as summarized in the Ecumenical Creed, specifically Apostles, Nicene Creed, and Chalcedon. To me, that's the bare minimum. That's the threshold. You, You deviate from that, or you sink beneath that, or you try to run around that, then now you're abandoning something that is absolutely essential for faithful Christian belief. But, Just subscribing, like if you just check yes to those questions on the quiz, that's not all that Christian salvation is. Christian salvation isn't just assent, cognitive assent and agreement with the right things. There's affection from a new heart, and there's allegiance with a whole life. It's all of those things together. Mm -hmm. So I I think you can find faithful Christians among Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, Pentecostals, Catholics, Anglicans, or the Orthodox Church, and all the other ones I'm not mentioning there are denominations, or there are groups, religions, I would say, that would c- consider themselves denominations of Christianity that aren't. Catholicism is just not one of those.
1: Well, and I think in all of these conversations, you can find that you're shadow boxing yeah. with what happened to someone by yes. someone who's in your own faith tradition, or what happened to them within their own faith tradition. And so that's why a lot of the questions can be also things like, well, tell me what you think yes. I believe. Like. Give me a sense of where you think I land, so that I can kind of see where you know where the where the distance is between um, where we are or what you think I believe, and uh, and also tell me about your experience of being a part of your faith. Like I if there's one thing I've learned in these conversations through the years and I still don't know it as well as I should, like it still is not top of mind like it should be when I enter into these conversations, it's ask, don't tell. Like wait, 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 wait. Ask more questions. Ask more questions. Ask more questions questions, and be a good listener so that when the time comes for you to start sharing your your side of the story, so to speak, you know exactly who you're talking to, and you know exactly, or you have a much better sense of how to handle that conversation from a more pastoral place than, a, um, oh, I have some good information to give you.
2: That's great. Can I maybe just say one, one last thing that good. I, I agree with everything you guys said too, but we're recording this a couple of days after reformation day. So we wouldn't be good Protestants if we weren't maybe <laughs> highlighting some of this, because there is, there is distinction here. And I, and I, yeah Kyle, I I'm not sure that I, I think I, I agree with you. I think 99% of what you said, but I would want to highlight some of the topics that bubble up in the reformation that are highlighted. The reformers though didn't, succinctly say it this way, but we could summarize some of their teaching through the five solas, that that uh, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We know that through the scripture alone, and it's for God's glory alone. So if you're having a conversation with a Catholic friend, hopefully you, you guys agree about Nicaea and Chalcedon and the Apostles' Creed. Your conversation points probably are really going to dwell around What's the relationship between tradition and history and scripture? Protestants and Catholics have some slight disagreements about that. They have a big disagreement about how do we receive God's grace and how do we become participants Mm -hmm. in salvation? Is it through the way that Aquinas taught, receiving treasures in heaven through participation of the sacraments, or is it by grace, through faith, simply by believing uh, in, in the gospel? So there are some still key sticking points that would go beyond theology proper like uh, Trinitarianism or uh, Christology as, as handled in the first few centuries, that I would still encourage our Protestant and Reformed uh, ish friends to say, Yeah, w- what do you believe about these? Like Jen was just saying, where, where do we land on these issues would be some distinguishing features. That's good. Good, good, good. All right. Uh, it's oh. a 30 minute answer to the
0: first question. How long yep. is this one? I think because we've all seen <laughs> yeah. the second one and we're <laughs> yeah. avoiding yeah, it. Let's right. see. Let's see what happens oh, well, now. Jen, well, Jen, you just <laughs> asked me ask me the question. Uh, You want me to ask you a question? Ask me the next question.
1: Kyle, what, what do you, what do you tell your daughter about Santa?
0: Well, Jen, this might sound familiar to you because I think we stole it from you. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we didn't, (laughs) but I think we did. Uh, but what we tell our daughter about Santa, what we have told our daughter about Santa is there is a surprise about Santa. When you discover what the surprise about Santa is, tell us. And this year, last year, she was very close to the surprise about Santa. Very close. Mm -hmm. So close. I was tempted to just ruin the surprise about Santa last year, but I Mm -hmm. did not. But this year, all the pieces came together and my daughter now knows the surprise about Santa. Kyle, I
1: appreciate how careful you're being with this because we do have listeners who are younger. And so I do appreciate that you're taking a lot of care with the surprise about Santa. And now that
0: she knows the surprise about Santa, we can talk through some of the really cool stories that about the history of that surprise and that story. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. So we've had a great time this year. And I actually think it opens up some unique pathways to generosity uh, when you get to mind Mm -hmm. the story and the history of Santa uh, and St. Nick. So Mm -hmm. that's what we do. Um, And I'm pretty sure I stole that from Jen. Right, Jen? Did I steal that from you?
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a. We can probably link. We I think we have before. We can link to the article again in the show notes. And it was written years ago. I wrote it years ago. So parents, there's new terminology that we are careful to use now. You'll notice that Kyle said surprise. I believe that the article I wrote is called secret or uses the term secret. And I would not use that term now. So read it with uh, discernment. I would say surprise as well. I thought that was a lovely addition that Kyle made to the doctrine of Santa, so Thank to speak.
0: You. Uh, okay,
2: uh, I just disagree wholeheartedly.
0: <laughs> uh, here I stand; I can do no other. That's JT. This yeah. is his, this is his uh, his diet of worms uh, moment for the Lutherans out there. This is he he plants yeah, this his flag a on the real ground.
2: Opportunity to teach your kids something important about Santa <laughs> that you guys are both missing in catechizing and discipling your kids. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Saint Nicholas yep. at the council uh-huh. Uh-huh. taught. Ho, 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 homoousios. Do you confess the consubstantiality <laughs> of the son and the father? That's uh, that's the real thing that Santa stands for. There we go. Uh, ancient Christian Christology. You guys are talking about <laughs> presents and gifts. That's and true. The re- I'm just right over here trying to teach
0: about the real Saint Nick. I
1: never, have, I never miss an opportunity to instill materialism yeah, in no my no. child. You know, <laughs> And I mean, consumerism
0: like, if you can get it. Get both of them. Consumerism. Both yeah. Of them. Yeah, big fan of both of those. Um, yeah. Alright, JT, are there any... Now I'm going to give this one to Jen. All right, Jen, are there are there any dangers in <laughs> uh, good.
2: Get yeah, this has <laughs> been a there
0: there any <laughs> any dangers in using imagination for comprehending the Bible. And notice comprehension language there, right?
1: Yeah, I love that. Yes, absolutely. I think that you know, as with any conversation, you want to think about where both ditches are, and that's how we should think about using our imagination when we're comprehending the Bible. In some cases, we have um, gone too far one direction and forbidden ourselves from speculating. I would, I would say, speculating would be a a, a different way that I would say this. In other words, wondering mm-hmm. a little about what might be going on, and we have to, we have to do that. Um, we we need to do that with the humility to. Know that our wondering is not like inspired by the Holy Spirit. Our wondering is just part of the process of gaining comprehension. That means that you're going to abandon some of the things that you wonder entirely on further um, uh, on further time spent in a particular portion of the text or on receiving some good teaching over it, but sort of going, I wonder is an important part of getting close to comprehension. And so we don't forbid it of ourselves, but we also don't sanctify it. We don't make it into something more than it is. We understand that wondering is is kind of like an educated guess. That might be one way you could think about it. Educated guesses have value, but we don't, we don't we don't give them more value than they deserve. They might head you in the right direction, and they might be something that you go, nope, that wasn't it, but they helped you move down the line. So um, I would say, be aware of both sides of this. You don't want to say, no, I don't do that at all. And you also don't want to say, yes, and that's where the sweet spot is for me in learning how to understand the Bible.
0: And the next question almost flows directly from this. Can we take biblical theology too far, read too much into connections across scripture, which that might be a result if that, when that does happen, of more of an overactive imagination when it comes to scripture or a speculation, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about this too. I do think that the longer you study the Bible the more capable you are of making connections. Mm -hmm. So like I'm way more comfortable making connections now than I was 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so there is something to be said for just length of time and learning sort of that skill and also just being familiar with more of the Bible than you were, you know, 10, 20, 30 years before. But if you are making a ton of connections and you have only a little knowledge of the Bible, then that should be a a warning sign to you that you might be overly eager to simplify or to, um, or to organize what you are learning. And you, you might be a little ahead of your experience level on that. I hope I will continue to get better at, I'm certainly not to a place where I'm like, yeah, I'm great at this. Um, I'm still, you know, even you, you guys hear it in real time when we're doing the podcast. It's like another connection yeah, will pop right. up. Mm. Um, but I'm getting better at knowing the difference between a valid connection and an invalid connection without having to go to a commentary. But then I do go to a commentary just to see and to, to check my work. So what would you guys say?
0: Yeah, you know, actually, I um, so part of trying to think through this question, I think, is there's a difference between making biblical theological connections and making uh, connections that are to contemporary culture. And I'm a little bit more skeptical over uh-huh. making – and I just want to make sure that I'm making a distinction in this question because I can't really tell here in terms of how general, how specific it is – I think that we can exercise a greater degree of latitude imaginatively and creatively when we're trying to make intercanonical or like connections in the story of scripture as a contained narrative unit. I I think that that we can have a greater degree of latitude.
2: Explain contained narrative unit.
0: I mean, like the whole story of the Bible, (laughs) Genesis to Revelation, if you're trying to connect something in Genesis to Revelation, I think you have more latitude and freedom there than if you're trying to connect something from the world of Like Jacob's dreams to your dreams last night, like that to me is like, well, hold hold on, like you making a connection to dream or apocalyptic imagery within the actual Bible. I think you have more freedom than going, well, you know, and Jacob's uh, ladder dream that. Uh, That helps me to interpret my dream that I had last night. I'd go, well, you should doubt that connection a lot more than maybe the connection being made within the story of the Bible itself. So I would just say, I think you can exercise a greater degree of latitude, freedom, what I might call canonical imagination and creativity, canonical being that for the canon of the Bible, the, the, the books of the Bible as a unit together when you're treating it as connections within the flow of the story itself. Once you start trying to jump from uh, kind of more personal relevant details, like somebody might do something like this. Um, you hear this sometimes in health wealth specifically, but it's out there broader than that. I'm gonna claim this promise for uh, that was given to the Israelites. I'm gonna claim the language of that promise for some, some sort of business plan that I'm articulating today. <laughs> I, I'd go, well, you probably shouldn't do that. And I don't think that's a lack of creativity. I think that's just a lack of ability to read the Bible mostly. So those are my thoughts on that. JT, anything to add on that one?
2: Maybe maybe just a quick comment. I mean, there's two, I think the two ditches language can be helpful, but even thinking about the two authors of scripture can help us think about this. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked you Mm -hmm. about what you meant by contained narrative unit, because there are some people, uh, I mean, evangelical Christian scholars who would probably trend more towards a literary reading of Scripture, which is, well, John is making connections with John, and Mm -hmm. Paul is making connections with Mm -hmm. Paul, and Matthew's making connections with Matthew, and Moses, but we shouldn't look for connections between Moses and John, or we shouldn't look for as many connections Mm -hmm. between Mm -hmm. Moses and Paul. Not that there wouldn't be uh, human literary connections— but there's right. the other side of the coin of their saying saying there's also a divine author of Scripture, and right. he is making connections, perhaps that Moses didn't even intend or that Paul didn't intend, not in the sense that they were doing something contradictory to, but there was a depth of meaning in their writings that as they were writing it, they their human minds weren't fully aware of because there's a divine author of Scripture also. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think imagination really can come in. And and maybe a different word for imagination is is illumination, is that you are full of the Holy Spirit and we are supposed to read the Bible literally and literately, as Jen helps us Mm -hmm. talk about regularly, that we should pay attention to Moses's use of language and what the original uh, audience would have heard. That matters a lot. But we also need to pay attention to, and the Holy Spirit was also who who was inspiring Moses was also inspiring Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, yeah. Paul, James mm-hmm. to to make connections. And so, for example, when you see the word light used in the Pentateuch, mm-hmm. there could be a connection mm-hmm. to the way that John is using light, and that yes. probably there is, even if the human mm-hmm. author wasn't aware of the depth of meaning that they were communicating. And that allows us to not just read the Bible imaginatively, but for the purpose of illumination that our hearts and minds mm-hmm. would be illumined to see the connections that the Holy Spirit intends for us to see.
0: That's right. Mm -hmm. It's good. We live in a possession and money obsessed culture, but what does the Bible say about generosity? In his new book, A Short Guide to Gospel Generosity, author Nathan Harris shows us that the answer to our obsession with possessions is turning to the gospel, because only in the gospel can we find the type of life transformation that enables us to turn our focus from ourselves and back to others, to give generously, and to follow in the way of Christ. To learn more about the book, visit GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. That's GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. your copy today. All right. Can a child call on the spirit for help if they aren't born again yet? I mean, I hope they do. Um, is my answer to the question. It might be the beginning of them being born again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to minimize the question, but I, I mean, I think if a, if a child is, uh, listen, I'm going to be for a child calling on the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, whether they're born again mm. or not.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm going to just... Let me use my imagination right now. I'm going to speculate a little that this question is not saying that if your child starts spontaneously praying, you should tell them okay. to stop until they've made a profession of faith. <laughs> I would imagine that a parent is wondering, is this a valid, like, like is that like an actual, like, do I tell my mm-hmm. child, hey, you should ask the Spirit to help you? Because like you think about like when you're in the uh, the cycle of giving a consequence for some sort of, broken rule. Um, and, you know, you have this impulse if you want to say, hey, you know what? You can ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to help you. And then I would wonder if that isn't what's behind this as a parent saying, should I even say that? Okay.
0: What do you think? Wow, Kyle.
1: Now that I made it a much harder question for <laughs> uh,
0: you. Yes, I think we <laughs> disciple our kids into the spiritual practice, the Christian practices of the faith even before they can articulate a born-again experience. So my, my answer is, Last night, I tucked my daughter in bed and I told her, God the Father loves you in Christ Jesus for good forever. And it is unbreakable, unshakable, unchangeable. Good night. My daughter has not made (laughs) up, my daughter has not made a public profession of faith. And I'll keep telling her that. And I will trust the Spirit to do the Spirit's job, which is not my job, which is at the appropriate and right time to bring conviction of sin uh, and to gift the fruits of uh, faith and repentance. Uh, And I believe that—I'm hoping and believing that one day she will experience a conversion. Uh, That work of conversion isn't mine. The work of discipleship is within my stewardship. The work of conversion is not. so. Yes, I would. You might as well I, baptize her, Kyle. I, listen, <laughs> on Sunday, ask ask me, <laughs> so ask me on the twelfth day KT of every month, and troll. I think about it. Um,
1: but yeah, so KT is a troll. Uh, I love that answer, but I think you knew I would. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. answer. Kyle. Well, I and I think you know the other the other piece of it too is uh, I want I want to model for my child that that's what I do not just yeah. model but be honest with my kids. You know, like man, I was angry yesterday or you know 5 minutes ago and I said some things that I I didn't I didn't want to say to you like I don't want to be that kind of a parent to you and I'm going to ask the spirit to convict me of that and to help me to not do that again like you know, you want them to see that. And mm-hmm. so it would be understandable if you're having those kinds of conversations with your children. And I don't mean like fabricated ones for the purpose of teaching a lesson. The Lord gives us ample opportunity to be able to be transparent in front of our children about our own shortcomings. But that if you're having those kinds of conversations with your kids that you should expect that a child who maybe hasn't professed faith might might say, well, I want to do that too. Yeah, That's right. I want to ask the Spirit, right. too.
0: So. Uh, what happens... Okay, JT, this one's for you. Um, what happens to those who never hear of Jesus Christ? Why would God not let anyone hear of Jesus Christ, not let everyone hear of Jesus Christ?
2: You guys get the Santa question, and I get this one. That's how... <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay okay, I see how this works. I am being penalized for something um this is a, This is a good question and and again, I think it 's important to talk about what we said a few minutes ago is there 's usually a question behind the question this could be an unbelieving child or an unbelieving spouse or in law and so we don 't want to just think about these things theologically, but pastorally. And the the most important thing that we can think about when asking questions about salvation is referring back to the nature and character of God. It's just so good for us to remind ourselves that God is good and that God is loving and merciful and just and uh, full of compassion for people. And so there's, there's really good news when we just remind ourselves of the nature, character of God, His attributes, who He is. Um, it's important also I actually had this conversation last night at the Storyline Institute I was called over to a table of a group of women all 60 plus and it's the table that every single week is we've been in church for 50 years why has nobody told us this before mm-hmm. They're just a really sweet sweet table and they just always call me over hey we're not sure we understand this yet and this is a question that they were asking because one of them has an unbelieving spouse and they're wondering uh, why why is God not saving why, how come what's going to mm-hmm. happen and there's just there's a real sense of Uh, this isn't a theoretical question for them in their mind. It's a guttural question for the person that I've given my life to. I'm not sure they know Jesus and I'm not sure I'll spend eternity with them. So whether that's the person who asked this question or those of you who are just hearing this question and that's true for you, God is so kind, merciful, and gracious. If you get anxiety around this question, just refer back to the goodness of God and his uh, character and his nature. It's also important for us to remind ourselves that we bring some, at least me, I bring some sensibilities to this question that I think Jen and Kyle would share, and most of our listeners would share. We do have some international uh, people who listen to this podcast, but most of us are 21st century Uh, kind of modernistic, postmodern Western Christians, and we have some specific understandings around what is just and what is fair and what's right that aren't necessarily true to the biblical text that, that, again, we bring to bear to the text. That doesn't mean that they're not right for us to understand in either social senses or political senses. It just means they're not derived from the Bible. They're derived from a political vision of what the good life is. Um, So, for example, one of the things that we can often forget is that there is is no one good who deserves to hear the gospel. Hmm. That can be hard for us to hear, but we can tend to think that For it to really be just and fair, everybody's on an equal playing field, or we could say an equitable playing field, and everybody's given the same opportunities to respond to the gospel. And that's not the biblical worldview. The biblical worldview is that all of us, every single one of us, sinned in Adam. And because of that sin, and because of our rebellion, we're supposed to return to dust and to experience separation from God forever. That is a just penalty. That isn't God being overbearing. That isn't God being overly judgmental. It is to say that we rebelled against our Creator. And the good news of the gospel is not that God is fair, but that God is gracious. And we have got to nail that into our heads, that the gospel is not a gospel of fairness. It's actually, in some sense, I don't want to overstate it, but it's a gospel of Inequality. You don't want equality. You want grace. Equality means we all (laughs) spend eternity away from God because of our rebellion, not because of God's judgment, but because of our rebellion and his just judgment of our rebellion. That being said, for those who never hear of Jesus, they die in their sins, and they'll spend eternity away from God. Jesus says there is no one good, no not one. Romans chapter 1 says that God's invisible attributes have been clearly uh, perceived by those who haven't heard the gospel, and they still rebel against him. Now, what this should do for us is rather than move us away from things like prayer and evangelism, it should push us further into things like prayer and evangelism, because there are over 2 billion people alive right now, who have never had access to the gospel of Jesus. Not because they didn't want it, not because they neglected it or denied it, but just because they haven't heard it. And apart from hearing this good news, they are in Adam, and we want them to be in Christ. And so that's why we need to be parts of churches that plant churches, that send missionaries, that pray for world evangelization, evangelization, that share the gospel indiscriminately with their neighbors and the nation so that all people might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ.
0: It's good, man. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Thank you, JT. Okay. Here's one for us to have a little fun together on. Well, by the way, what do you guys think about Santa? Come <laughs> <on>. <laughs> 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 uh, well played. Well played. Well played. Um, okay. If you could convince the other two of something, what would it be and why? If you could convince the other two of something, what would it be and why? Jen?
1: The first and second Samuel are so great. They're so great, guys. They were really good books. They were meaningful. They changed our lives.
0: Whew. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, yeah. You know what? Honestly, I, I need that because our spring curriculum for Bible is the historical books. And my daughter, she was like, uh, she was like, dad, uh, which of these is your favorite book? And I wanted to be honest with her and be like, none of them. None of them, <laughs> none of them sweetie.
1: No, you're terrible. I lied to her. I told her
0: Joshua, but whatever. Uh, So yes, I wish you could convince me. I'm gonna need it. I'm gonna need it. Um okay, so that's a good one. JT, what do you got? I really don't want to say this. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't think
2: of anything else. Okay. That that God is a Trinity before the New Testament and that mm, I don't know, maybe Jesus is in the old testament.
1: We never said he wasn't it's in the Old true. Testament. Um,
2: uh-huh.
1: Okay. He said he wasn't <laughs> hiding behind why. every angel. I, I, I,
2: really hope, I was really hoping you were gonna say not hiding behind every rock. And I would say, you're right. He <laughs> is the rock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> JT, I'm in, you know, I'm going through Revelation, and every time we hit another angel, I'm like, Yep, and there's another angel that's not Jesus. <laughs> yep, and there's another one that's not Jesus. Are they the
2: angel of the Lord though?
1: It's oh, okay. it's, a, it's a testament.
0: It's a testament to my purity of heart. The one
2: that Joshua says led them in the wilderness. <laughs>
0: okay, we we hit the on button. It's a, yeah,
2: it's, it's you. You asked. I didn't. I ask. did. It's true.
0: And it's a testament to my purity of heart that I was sitting here wondering, like, huh? I really wonder what he's going to say. I really did not. Think, I was like, huh? I was. After all, this I time, wonder what he, I was what like, I really,
2: really don't want to talk. I, so mm. I didn't want to say it. I was like, I saw this question. Mm-hmm. I was like, I. I got to think of something else. I just haven't thought of something wow. else. Okay. Well, but yeah. I would be so satisfied if you both came to me one day and said, you know what, JT, we believe the Bible now. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: good.
1: Can we get, can we go back to that question about taking biblical yeah. theology beyond <laughs> what it's supposed to go?
0: <laughs> I think we need to. I think we need to. Mm-hmm. What do you got Kyle? I think my, what do you want oh, to fix, gosh, fix about mine's us? It's not nearly as funny. Um, Uh, as the two of y'alls, uh, I, uh, and I don't even think that it's something you guys need to be convinced of. It's just something that I love that I always try to bring in. Um, but I think probably just like the value of contemporary philosophy of just Uh, like, I love mm -hmm. that stuff. And I, I, I can see you guys are, you're willing to let me have my say when I do bring it up but we like glaze yeah, there's a little, a little bit little. of like, yeah. Okay, man. Like, just like for Jen, it's like, just get back to the Bible, Kyle. And for JT, it's just like, like, just get back to the doctrine. And I get, and I appreciate it.
1: No, JT probably knows what you're talking about. I'm over here going, these are, <laughs> these are waters I can't step into because I know now I'm of yesterday and I know nothing. So that's me thinking, Oh, look, I'm going to be out of the conversation <laughs> for the next
0: five yeah, minutes. Uh, that, that's probably it. If, if I got a text message from you guys one day that was like, Hey, I was thinking about reading play. Republic? Would you guys? Would you read that with me? I would probably. <laughs> I, would I would probably <laughs> shout. I'd be so happy. I just would be. So- I would need to be in a book club okay, to read it. So maybe that's the answer. There we go. Um, all right. Uh, do you believe we need to be baptized into the Spirit even if we've already been baptized? No. Uh, that's mm, no. No. JT, do you believe we need to be baptized? I in the spirit? thought. I thought, be, I thought Jen was like, mm, yeah. <laughs> that would. <laughs> no. That
1: that would <laughs> No, have I don't like, mean to sound. That sounded dismissive. I don't I mean, would have changed. I would
2: have changed my answer of what I want to convince you of. Yeah. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, um, no. I, no. I don't think any of us believe this. Uh, no, I, I don't think none of us believe this. That does not mean there aren't faithful Christians who do believe such a thing. It's just to say. We do not believe there is a second baptism necessary for the reception or the filling of the Holy Spirit, and I want to make sure that I'm clear that we don't believe that there's a second baptism necessary for the reception of the Holy Spirit. We also don't believe there's a second baptism required for the filling or the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So Mm -hmm. that both of those things, we would see. And you might look at Acts and go, "Hey, but it does look like a couple of these guys were baptized again," and we would say those are hinge. Uh, descriptive passages in Acts. They are not prescriptive. You'll notice in the pastoral epistles, there is simply no mention at all, of a second baptism. And it's the kind of thing that seems like it definitely would have come up in some of the letters. The reason that it didn't is because there isn't a second baptism of the Holy Spirit. There was a first baptism of Christ and those who were baptized prior to that had received the baptism of John. They they, were, it, it, they did not know that the Christ had come and the fulfillment and what he had done and the resurrection and the sinning of the Spirit. These were all things they did not know. So what you're seeing there I believe, is the gospel call going out, uh, awakening those who were God-fearers, who had heard the first part of the story and not the second part of the story, and those baptisms should be equated with their experience of salvation in Christ.
1: Yeah, I, we were studying Ephesians at the church right now, and everybody was trolling me because I posted something I about that, that, and yeah. they were like, you said Ephesians was dumb. I. It's in the Bible. And um, that, that you 4-4. said it or that Ephesians? Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. So Ephesians 4, 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about how one of the major things that Paul is dealing with in the New Testament epistles is the, the circumcision party and in many ways the demand to have christians circumcised is a similar thing to someone saying that you need a second baptism in other words there's some second level of your faith to be unlocked and so the more i learned about just the the circumcision party and the way that they were articulating their why it was like man this feels a lot like all of the other measures that we say you have to do x y or z in, in order to be a, a true a full christian yeah that's good
0: so for what that's for thank worth. you jim
1: I just quoted Ephesians, everybody, so just back it, off, it okay? Is in the Have you studied Colossians, um, Jen? Uh, that's next. <laughs> well, not quite. Philippians will be before, if he, before Colossians. Oh, uh, there we go. Um, you know why I'm
2: asking that question?
1: Because you're rude. <laughs>
0: Uh, just wondering if you know how to spell it. Oh boy.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That was a dark moment. That was a dark moment. <laughs> I, I, JT called me out in a typo in a in an Instagram story, which is you know like once it's
0: out there, you're just done. So I was like,
1: well,
2: there it is. It's just there. There it is, everybody.
0: Having been somebody who failed your Bible literacy quiz the first time, it did feel get worse. It did feel time. a little bit like, oh, uh, at least <laughs> at least she doesn't know how to spell collage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was in a hurry. Oh, sure. I know how to spell Colossians. Of course, of you course. need some more
2: Bible literacy stuff from Pauline mm, Epistles. Fine. It's all from like First and Second Samuel and Chronicles. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I know how to spell Samuel just know about that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, okay. Uh, how does God's triune nature influence the way humans reflect God's image? I think this is more of a me and Jen question. We'll take this one. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> I would love to hear your thoughts no, on that. No, go
0: kick us off, JT. <laughs>
2: You know, I honest, if I'm honest, I don't know. Like, I I don't know that I've, I mean, uh, certainly that we're relational, but that's kind of the the lowest hanging fruit. There's been some theologians who have said uh, God being Father, Son, and Spirit makes us uh, kind of, um, oh gosh, I'm I'm spacing on the word tripartite. Yeah, is is it trichotomy? I think, but I think it's trichotomy. Trichotomy is the definition. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that we are body, soul, and spirit, and that there's definition there. I'm not a trichotomist. I'm a dichotomist in the sense that we're just simply material and immaterial, so I wouldn't take it that far. I think the simplest w- way that we could talk about it is that we're inherently relational beings meant to enjoy relationship with God and relationship with other image bearers through the one image bearer, Jesus, and that, that's how we best bear God's image and bear relationship with one another. Uh, but that's kind of low-hanging fruit in terms of, and I also wouldn't want to over-torque that. The reason I kind of shy away from saying it that way is there's, there is something called social Trinitarianism, which I think over-emphasizes the relational <clears throat> aspect of God's triune nature that we can then kind of over-torque into what we think it means to be relational beings as well. But that doesn't mean we don't want to at least say at the basis that God is relational, therefore we get to be relational beings also.
0: That's right. Um, All right. Another fun one here. Uh, How would you all describe each other? Huh?
2: I'm not sure whether to duck or get ready for an (laughs) embrace. (laughs) Uh,
1: The three amigos is our answer.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. What I was thinking about when I saw this question, too, is—and I hope this helps maybe some of you who are in local church context. You guys know part of my story. I've said this to Jen and Kyle dozens of times. I don't have any brothers or sisters. Jen and Kyle are the closest thing I will experience to a brother and to a sister in this life. And so it's a real gift. like It's genuine gift to me, whether we're in the context of a local church or in the context of a universal churches, I do think of Jen and Kyle as friends, but another category that I have is like actual brothers brother, an actual sister who Mm -hmm. I know that no matter how good my life gets or no matter how bad my life gets, the high highs and low lows, that they're my family and they're not going anywhere. That's right.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I, I, so. I feel the same way. And like, I was thinking about how like, oh, I, I still, I look forward to when we're getting ready to record. Yes. I look forward to when we're going to get to be in the same place mm-hmm. and not just like, Oh, that'll be fun, but like, Oh, yay. It's, you know, we're going to be in the same place again. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that it's, it is the, it's all of the like the good pieces of like, um, enjoying each other. But it's also, I know that you guys will hold me accountable that you'll say, Hey, I don't think you said that right. Or, you know, and and I, I need that. I want that from you guys. And I think that we've built trust over, gosh, I mean, it's, what has it been eight years now with each other that is, that is very similar, I think, to family relationships where you, where you're like, Oh yes, this relationship will bear this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, both, both the positive ones and the ones that might be just more of a like, Hey, we need to have a, a careful conversation, and we don't have a ton of those. But but when they need to be had, I feel like we're able to have them, and, and our friendships aren't at stake. Um, It's because we want to help each other. That's good. But yeah, I just I still get
0: so excited. Yeah, for sure, I agree. I thought of I I I thought about this a little bit differently. We don't all have to do this. We shouldn't. But I thought of a word to describe both of you. For Jen, if when somebody's talking to me about Jen, Jen is my friend, not Jen is like they're a, a podcast person that they listen to. But the first word I think of when I think of you, Jen, is wise. It's the first word. Mm-hmm. Oh, uniformly. Um if somebody it was like hey somebody fine. describe your friend Jen I'd be like oh Jen's wise that's where I'd start JT with you the first word i always think about when i think about you is is loyal but really mm-hmm. like with high honor designations you're just a really mm-hmm. honorable guy mm-hmm. and when i think about you i mm-hmm. think of mm-hmm. loyalty and i think of honor those are the that's what i think of when i think mm-hmm. about JT so if somebody was like oh hey describe JT to me i'd say oh JT's loyal and honorable those are the, the, that's what I know about mm. JT. So you guys are mm-hmm. great. It's great to have wise, loyal, honorable friends. Those are the kind of people you want to have mm. <laughs> in your life. Uh, and it's an incredible gift, our friendship. Um, yeah. so, uh, Thanks, gosh,
1: if I'd gotten the run sheet
0: sooner, I probably would have thought of two words for you oh, too. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, I, I the, 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 I know the first word that came to mind for both of you guys, for <laughs> me, cannot be mentioned on air. So,
1: no I thought you would say I was sassy I figured that'd be the first thing you'd say so I'll
0: go I'll no, that, take wise that that's, sounds great that, <laughs> that's definitely in my top five um and and uh annoying is in my top five for another one of <laughs> another one of our of the three amingos so uh okay uh what has God been teaching you lately JT what do you think God's been teaching you lately
2: yeah, I actually had a long conversation last night with Macy about this and a couple of our elders a couple of days ago of just like, you know, I came to storyline three and a half years ago and uh, it was a very different church then not better or worse, just different. We were walking through COVID that summer of 2020. It just required some really unique um skill sets. Uh, Not that I, not that other people don't have them, but like it required certain energy and attention for me to take care of certain things. And we're not in that season now. We're, we're growing pretty fast. And I got here, we had a staff of eight. We now have a staff of over 30. We had about 500 people in attendance at our high highs after COVID. We have about 2000, almost 2,500 with if you include kids in just three years. So we've experienced a lot of growth. And for those of you who've been in churches that are fast growing, that's beautiful. Like there's really great things. It feels like the Holy Spirit's doing something at our church. It also comes with a lot of challenges. And one of those challenges Mm -hmm. specifically has been my job changing regularly. (laughs) Like what I'm, I was doing social media. I was, I was literally in line at Qdoba doing Canva three years ago, posting social media for storyline. (laughs) And I don't have to do that anymore. And what it really has been is moving from, if, if you're familiar with some, Uh, Different organizations use different language, but moving from somebody who's the integrator to somebody who's kind of more the visionary, kind of the leader of something... And that's been a big challenge for me because as you guys know, I like being the workhorse. I kind of like being the, Mm -hmm.
1: give Mm -hmm. me a bunch of
2: tasks. I can go fight battles and get a bunch of stuff done. I like the control that I feel when I'm, when I'm, when I'm doing that. And now I'm really having to learn, how do I empower my team? How do I encourage them, stay present with them and allow them to be kind of the ones who are integrating in the workhorses of the organization while I get to kind of celebrate them and really be the person who casts vision and preaches and teaches and really is trying to set the trajectory of the church. i've never had to do that before i've always gotten to do that in the midst of organizations never mm-hmm. as the head of one and i would say even the f- first three years of storyline i didn't have to do that and so just over the last few weeks i've empowered some team members given some promotions to say you you're my executive pastor and you're doing this and you're the executive mm-hmm. director of this and you're doing this and those were things that a year ago i was doing so uh if i was if i was thinking about that in theological terms, it's really uh, God is teaching me to trust my team and God is teaching me to trust him as he's developing some new skill sets in me. Uh, and also to be the the kind of leader who's also going to take it on the chin when his team uh, makes mistakes. That's that's what part of leadership is and mm-hmm, also celebrates mm-hmm. them when they get it right uh, and, and honors them when they get it right. So um it's it's a lot of fun i that sound i hope that didn't sound down like it, i'm really excited about the challenge it's just something i've never really had to do before
1: mhm it was really fun when we were all in the same place recently and your team members were just like Oh, he's the best. He's the best boss. I'm like, mm. I know I worked for him. I know he is. But like, <laughs> they could have said, you know, they could have been like, well, you know, and no one. I mean, they were all, I mean, they could have. Yeah. Uh, and it was just fun to see. It was fun to see. We have
2: such a good team at Storyline. Awesome. They yeah. work so hard. Yeah, they love well, the Lord. We're a very young team. If you look at our team, it's like we look like mm-hmm. a youth group that <laughs> just came back from like a <laughs> mission trip in Mexico or something like that. Uh, but they're eager. They're learning. They're humble. They love the Lord. They're keeping their head down. Mm. And it's an honor to to lead them.
0: Mm. That's excellent. Uh, I think uh, for me, the lesson has been trust. That I that that feels like so cliche. Truthfully, it does. It feels like well, of course, right? Isn't the Lord always teaching and inviting us into trust? But it's been trust, mm-hmm. um, and and patience in that, and just waiting on the Lord. Um, I'm a kind of guy who wants what God's going to do in 50 years in five months. That's the kind of guy I, <laughs> I am. I am just like, Lord, I I want to see it all happen, and um, I'm prone to living, loving, and leading that way. And the invitation of the Lord over and over again has just been, uh, trust, trust me with your life, trust me with the plans, trust me with this church that um, I've called you to plant. And um, yeah, so it's been, it's been trust. Well, I've been uh, one of the mm-hmm. verses that we were memorizing in our Bible curriculum this fall with Lydia is the verse that I can remember as the first verse I memorized with my father, which is Proverbs 3 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and uh, all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make mm-hmm. your path straight. Uh, and it was just a really interesting mm-hmm. time to be that kind of came, we didn't know that was in the curriculum. It just was the verse that we've been memorizing as a part of the fall. And uh, it's timely, providential in many, many ways. So. Mm-hmm. Jen?
1: Uh, what I'm going to say may not be the peppiest answer, but I I feel like I'm learning um, about the preciousness of all life, at, like uh, every stage of life. <clears throat> and, um, you know, you guys know I lost my mom uh, almost two years ago and she was 80. So it wasn't like it was, a you know, an out, a loss out of season, although, you know, I didn't expect to lose her then. And I do think that put me into an appropriate season of reflection just around, you um, her latter years and and the quality of life that she had, and um, I think I I thought a whole lot about um, you know beginning of life being uh being significant, and um, you know the whole uh, whole life pro life ethic I think has become increasingly sharpened in my view, and I'm reading some things about aging, and I, it may just sound like I'm having an existential crisis and want to process my own aging, and I'm I i do not think it's not. Not that, but that's not the main emphasis I'm feeling. It's a it's a thought exercise that I feel like is really important to have just based on the idea of um, redeeming the time and teaching us to number our days rightly. And so I've just been reflecting a lot just sitting and thinking about it and um, and you know a lot of that is in the context of <clears throat> my in-laws live a block and a half away and I love that they're so nearby like having proximity to the elderly is, is shaping my experience of midlife in some really good ways. And it's shaping my younger children's uh, experience of life to have those relationships too. So I'm doing a lot of reflecting on just how we help one another to inhabit the phase of life that we're in, to anticipate the one that is next and to help those who are coming along behind.
0: That's good. Thank you, Jim. Well, these have been some great questions. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Knowing Faith. Um, we love the knowing faith audience we think they're the best audience in christian podcasting we are so grateful doing the live recording at the gospel Coalition getting to meet so many of you mm-hmm. this season was an absolute delight um we are this is the last episode formally for the season but as you know we typically have some surprises for you after we formally wrap up the season there will be a few surprises along the way as we enter into Christmas and then we'll come back uh January 11th we'll be starting off in season 12 of Knowing Faith, which is absolutely crazy. We're going to continue our journey through the book of Exodus, but we're also going to be peppering in some reflections on key text from the history of Christianity. So we're going to be looking at Athanasius' on the incarnation for an episode. We're going to look at Chesterton's orthodoxy, A.W. Pink's The Attributes of God. So we're kind of, each one of us has kind of picked one or two that we really, really enjoy and have learned a lot from, and we're going to scatter those in throughout the episodes as we continue to explore the story of Exodus and the ripples, both before and beyond the book of uh, Exodus itself. We're really excited to get to continue to do that. You can find Knowing Faith on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, but you know that already. Uh, you may have heard about some of the resources or products that we have recommended in the show. You can check out the show notes for a link to our sponsors' webpage uh, or go to the Train the Church website under the Knowing Faith podcast to find resources, discounts, and products that we vet and believe in. I do want to point point you to the 10ofthose.com partnership that we have. Uh, we recommend a lot of books on Knowing Faith, and we have across the seasons, which now there's been 11 of them. And you might be wondering, I heard you recommend this book on this season, but I need to go find that episode. You can actually go to 10ofthose.com slash partners slash Knowing Faith, and they have organized a bookstore for us. And if you go there, it will have the books we've recommended by season, and then just some general recommendations we make. There are some wonderful. Wonderful books over there. We would encourage you to go check that out. That's 10 of partners slash knowing faith. If you want to find out how you can help make our growing family of podcasts possible, you can go to train the support. There is some benefits there for people that help support us. There's a newsletter you can subscribe to. There's also some access to ad free and early episodes, along with some other surprise and special drops as well. Uh, if you are not aware, we have some sister shows I'd love to point you to. If you've missed this season of Tiny Theologians and you have young kiddos, you have really missed out. It is a wonderful, wonderful podcast that Amy Kate Gannett and her team have been running. Uh, It is a story-driven exploration of the key doctrines of God uh, and attributes of God. So go check out Tiny Theologians wherever you get your podcasts. Check out Family Discipleship Podcast or go check out Starting Place with Elizabeth Woodson where she's trying to take the things we explore on this podcast and try to reduce them down to a little bit more Discipleship 101 kind of approach. So if you have a young Christian in your family or in the life of your church, or if you're discipling a young believer, Starting Place with Elizabeth Woodson is a wonderful resource for them to have as they continue the journey of following Christ in discipleship. Thank you for listening to Knowing Faith. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion this season. Grace and peace. Did this episode spark an interest to learn more about Jesus, the Bible, or just theology in general? You can receive free theological training through Midwestern Seminaries for the Church Institute, where you can learn more about the Old and New Testament, Christian theology, preaching, leadership, and more, even at your own pace. Learn more and get started today at ftcinstitute.com. Again, that's ftcinstitute.com for free training on Old and New Testament, Christian theology, preaching, and leadership. Go and check out these incredible resources from our season sponsor.